Hello, and how are you doing today? I have a super special guest. Her name is Julia Goodfellow-Smith, and she's an adventurer. She's the author of the bestseller, Live Your Bucket List, and she's also this wild woman who walks 630 miles dressed as a jellyfish to raise funds for the Marine Conservation Society. So listen in, you're going to love meeting her, and you're going to really enjoy her book because it's so good to consider what is it that you want to do next. So thank you so much for being here. You're listening to the Fittest Freedom Podcast, and I'm your host, Kelly Howard. I've been in the fitness and outdoor adventure space for almost two decades. Today, I'm known as the Motivation and Adventure Coach. I help smart, successful women and a few guys navigate the space between mindset, motivation, and movement to move away from self-doubt, and to learn to embrace their inner athlete. You already know what you want to do, and I bet you have a pretty good idea what you need to do. Together, we can fine-tune the details and create the steps you need to get moving forward. Think of me as your shortcut to a life of fitness, fun, and freedom. I'm so glad you're here. Julia, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you very much, Kelly. I'm doing really well. I'm, you've just talked about the fact that I did this long hike last year, and I'm just about to set off on another one this year. So I'm looking forward to it, and I'm quite excited. Okay. Well, that was going to be my last question for you, but I think I'm going to make it my first question. But right before you tell us about your next adventure, um, just tell us who you are, what you do, and like why we're chatting, because you have quite the, quite the bio. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, I'm Julia Goodfellow-Smith. I live in the UK and I decided early last year, before the whole coronavirus pandemic blew up, I decided that it was time for me to change my life quite significantly. I was working as an environmental manager with a construction company and I was spending long days commuting in, in the office I was aching. I had a sore hip, a sore knee. I was pretty fed up with work and with the commute. And I had a discussion with a, a consultant, a doctor, who said to me that, in, almost in passing, in fact, he said to me, oh, that condition that you've got, um, as you get older, it'll make you more susceptible to respiratory disease. Oh my goodness. And <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was, it's, it's just one of those moments. This is something that I've lived with all of my life. I get out of breath quick, quickly. So I've always thought I've got small lungs. And in that conversation with him, he essentially told me that it's not as straightforward as that. And the words that I heard more or less were, if you want to have adventures, you better go out and have them now while you can. <laughs> wow. So that's what I decided to do. And I changed my life completely. I decided to become a, uh, a professional adventurer, writer, and speaker, which is how I got to walk the footpath and write my first book. Wow. Okay. There's so many questions I have here for you. <laughs> All right. First thing, though, is tell me what a professional adventurer is, because I love it. <laughs> well, I was... Just working through a list, I, I knew that I didn't want to do that commute any longer. And I knew that I didn't want that job any longer. And I started writing a list down of all of the things that I could do with my life. 
and about the sixth on the list was Adventurer. Where it came from, I have absolutely no idea. Nice. But once it was there on the piece of paper in front of me, <laughs> I couldn't get past it. It was the only thing that I wanted to do. And you're quite right. What on earth is a professional adventurer? <laughs> well, I just decided that now was the time to dedicate my life to adventuring. And it might not be that way forever, but for now, that's what I'm going to do while I can, which is really the message that the, the doctor gave to me. Wow. And so, that in, entails for me now adventuring, obviously, but also writing about my adventures and speaking to people. And I realized that I had a, a really important message to tell after I got back from my long walk, which is where this book came from. Tell me what the name of the path is that you were first going to do. It's the Southwest Coast Path. Southwest Coast Path. And that's like 630 miles? It is. And it has four times the ascent of Everest oh, from sea to the top of a mountain. Oh my. So it is, it's a coast path, but it's essentially a cliff path. So it does a lot of this up and down right. and up and down. And it runs around the southwest coast of the UK. So around uh, mainly Devon and Cornwall. It's a walk that I've wanted to do since I was about 25. And there are lots of reasons why I hadn't got round to doing it. Uh, not least of all the fact that it's 630 miles long, so it's a, <laughs> an incredibly long way to walk. <laughs> it had been sitting there on my, in my, on my bucket list for, for so long. And when this word adventurer came up on my list of things to do, I thought, okay, I don't quite know how I'm going to make this work, but what I am going to do is walk the Southwest Coast Path because I've wanted to do it for so long. And it is the most beautiful path, which is one of the reasons I wanted to do it. Wow. Wow. So, okay. So you want to do this, but then you kind of got thwarted. I right? did. Yes. And, but tell us because the way the virus affected different parts of the world was completely different. You know, like some places were completely shut down, couldn't get on a trail. Some places you couldn't leave your house. I mean, so what did you do? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I think I need to, to go back a month or two before coronavirus hit okay when I decided to walk the path and I'm not very good at just doing things because I want to do them I always want to try to do something of benefit to other people as well when I do it so I thought okay I'll raise some money for a charity while I do it and raise awareness for that charity's aims and the Marine Conservation Society is a British charity that came to mind because they do a lot of great work to protect our oceans. And obviously I was doing a coast path walk, so it made sense to, to work with them. So I went to see them and committed to them that I would raise £10,000. So what's that, about $13,000? Oh yeah, like that, at least. Uh, for, the, for the charity and that I would do this by walking the Southwest Coast Path dressed as a jellyfish. <laughs> so this is one of the techniques that I use when I've made a decision... <laughs> I I'm tell. Sorry. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> when, this is a, this is the way that I commit to making a decision. It's it's part of the accountability thing for me. Right. I told them that I was going to raise this money and I was going to walk it as a jellyfish, and then I had to. Sure. And then, of course, coronavirus hit, and here in the UK, we were locked down. Uh, we were allowed to walk. Sorry, we were allowed to leave our houses for an hour a day to start off. Oh my goodness. And I thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to walk 630 miles, I clearly can't do it on the Southwest Coast Path now because we weren't allowed to stay away overnight or anything like that. I didn't know when lockdown was going to be lifted. So I thought, I live, I, I live 
at the base of a range of hills called the Malvern Hills which again, it's a beautiful part of the country and it's great walking country. And in an hour, I can just about get up halfway up the hills and back home again, right? <laughs> so I decided that I would still dress as a jellyfish and that I would spend that hour walking on the Malvern Hills dressed as a jellyfish to, right. <laughs> again, try to gain some attention for, for the course. Oh, maybe a little, just a little. A little, a little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was fantastic by the end. Uh, I, I, sorry, I walked the full 630 miles on the Malvern Hills in the end. Nice. And I had people tooting their car horns at me as they went past and sort of shouting across the hills to me, jellyfish lady, stop, stop, and things like that. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, but as lockdown was eased, we were allowed to go out for longer. So I started to walk 10 miles a day, which is how I managed to walk the 630 miles on my local hills. Wow. And then it eased properly, which meant that I could go down to the southwest and walk the southwest coast path after all. Now, I have to admit, I didn't do that in my jellyfish costume in the end. Mm, and there's, yeah. there's something that I think is a very good reason for that, which is... <laughs> When I set off with this, this idea in mind, I thought that I would stay in hotels and hostels, places with beds. Right. But the Southwest is a really popular tourist destination in the UK. And we found that over the summer, as soon as lockdown was lifted, it completely filled up with people. So there was every chance I wasn't going to be able to find accommodation and I might not even be able to find campsites. So in the end, I had to carry my tent and all of my, you know, all of my camping kit as well as what I was going to carry previously. And I just decided that a jellyfish costume on top of all of that was a little bit more than I could handle. Right, right. You don't usually find that in your backpack. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it was a, I'd, actually, I'll, I'll give you a picture for your. For I your want a notes. picture. I couldn't find it on your web. You've got to give us a picture. It was, it, it was a, um, a hanging basket that I had that I made a, a hat that sort of came out to here. And it had lots of tendrils coming down off it. Um, so yes, it would have been very tricky to walk oh, with, wow. with my whole, you know, my backpack and what have you as well. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, so, okay. I have a question. You, okay. you, you started off saying that you were working a lot, commuting a lot, not feeling the greatest, like some yep. aches and pains, probably from sitting in the car, sitting at the desk, stress, right? Yeah. So how did you train for this? Did you just go out and start walking and figure that... It would just work its way out? Well, you know what? I, I was a bit concerned at first that it was a really stupid thing to do because I was <laughs> aching. And I thought it was age, it was menopause, all of those sorts of things at this time of life. And so uh, there were moments when I just thought, what are you doing, Julia? This is a ridiculous thing to do. Two of my friends have had hip replacements and I was thinking that I, you know, I was probably in line for one. But I decided that I was going to do it anyway. And as I say, in lockdown, we were restricted to how much we could walk. So that really worked in my favor. Walking for an hour a day, I could manage. I did some walking anyway, but I could easily manage an hour a day. And I found that walking every day, all of the aches and pains after a while just They went away, didn't they? They just it went was away. incredible. And yeah. I, thinking back on that now, Kelly, I think... There was one other time, in, it, there are various times, but in recent years, I stopped running because my knee was hurting. And I thought that I needed to stop running so that I'd be able to carry on walking and the sorts of things I'm sure you've heard a, a million times. 
And it's only recently that I've realised that during that period, I was running more than I had been, but I was also sitting in my car for longer than I had been before. And I think now that it was the sitting in the car that was hurting my knee and not the running. Thank you and for it, saying that. It's, you know, and <laughs> like a lot of times, initially when I'm working with people, they'll be like, I have aches and pains, I have issues, and I can't do X, Y, Z. I'm like, well, maybe you can't do X, Y, Z because you don't do X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it does tend to, not always, but it does tend to be that the more we move, the better we feel. You know, and the more we can move, right? Body in motion just can stay in motion longer. Kelly here. And I just got back from a trip with my Fittest Freedom alumni. And it was so cool to see what happens when people learn to get really consistent with their fitness, to really like have that community that cheers them on, have that accountability, have the coaching and the deep dive time with me when they need it. So if you're interested, we have uh, the Fittest Freedom Experience opening up again in August. So just go over to fitisfreedom.com forward slash waitlist. That's fitisfreedom.com forward slash waitlist. And we'll send you all the details. So thanks so much for listening. So, okay, let me tell us about the book because the book is really why I guess we're talking other than I want to be a professional adventurer too. Um, So tell us about the book and then like everything that came from it and what you're doing next. Okay, thank you. Well, I set off on the walk on the Southwest Coast path thinking that I would probably write a book when I got back. I didn't know what that book was going to be about. I had some ideas, but I just decided that every day I would make some notes. And when I got back, I would decide what I would write about. And it dawned on me as I was walking that actually in my 30 years of working life, I developed a lot of skills in terms of project planning and implementation and things like that, that other people might not have had an opportunity to develop and might benefit from. And that I could illustrate these with things that had happened on my adventure walking the path. And that's how Live Your Bucket List was born. I realised that there was a way there that I could really help other people to move from just dreaming about things on their bucket list and actually do them a little bit like Walking the Southwest Coast Path had been on my bucket list for 25 years. And so I had some understanding of why things do sit on a bucket list for a long time. Right. right. And also how to overcome that once you've made that decision that you want to. (laughs) Oh, so, okay. So you've got this book and it's an amazing book. Um, It's Live Your Bucket List. And you actually walk us through how to go from just dreaming to doing, but doing it with panache, to doing it where it's going to happen. So give us some ideas. How does that work? Okay. Well, I start off by suggesting that you write down your bucket list for a start. So work out or just think about everything that you think you've always wanted to do one day. Now, from my perspective, last year, I was focusing on adventure because 
those were the words that I'd heard from the consultant right. that I needed to have adventures now while I could. But you might have other things on your bucket list as well, like, I don't know, learning a second language or starting a business or something like that. So I, I, I start people off on the journey of, of writing down what's on their bucket list, prioritizing those things and deciding what you want to start on first. Really thinking then about your why. So why is that thing important to you? Because if it was easy, it wouldn't be on your bucket list still. You would have just right. done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you really understand your why and how doing this fits in with your values, then that can help you to make a decision that actually sticks. And I also talk through the idea of going public with your decisions. So when you've made oh, it, tell, tell everybody piece. to the accountability. Yeah. Yeah. So when I decided to write my book back in March, I plastered Facebook and LinkedIn and all of, all of the social media channels I'm involved in. I told everybody not only that I was going to write a book, but that I was going to publish it this summer as well. Wow. Because that gave me accountability. Sure. And back when I was doing the walk, I told the charity that I would be doing it. And then I started, of course, fundraising and telling everybody else that I was doing it. So there was no backing out. And then once you've made that decision and you know this is something that you really do want to do, I go into the planning stages. So, uh, well, defining, defining clearly what your goal is and then moving on to planning how you're going to get there. So who can you learn from? Is there somebody who's done it before that you can pick their brains? Are there strengths right. that you have that you can use? Yes. Are there weaknesses that you need to sidestep? And then implementation and some of the things that might happen to just knock you off balance a bit as, as, as you go along. But finally, you've got to the point where you've achieved your dream. You've actually got to the end of that journey. And all the way through, I encourage reflection and particularly at the end. So what have you learned? What's changed about you to get you from dreaming to achieving? What skills have you developed? How many people have you helped? What difference have you made? So I'm thinking about the whole of the cycle to, to the end there and then thinking about, okay, so what's next? But not just moving on to that before you've done the reflection. Really appreciated and, what you did. Yeah. 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 The gratitude piece. I, I think yeah. that like anybody who's worked with me, it's like, those two sound an awful lot alike. <laughs> <laughs> if I hear what's your why one more time, but it's so true, right? Like it if is, you absolutely. know what's going to drive you, and so, okay, I have a question. Why was that on your bucket list? Why was that walk on your bucket list? That walk was on my bucket list because, well, it got onto my bucket list because I read a book called 500 Mile Walkies, which is a very funny book, or I thought it was 25 years ago when I read it. And it sounded fabulous. So that's when I started thinking about doing it. I think it stayed on my bucket list partly because the scenery is so spectacular around there and I love being by the coast but also because it is such a great challenge it's a physical challenge it's a mental challenge it was something that would even before I was carrying my tent <laughs> um, right. it was something that would really push me physically and mentally yeah and for me that was what I needed but also something that I felt was important because it would it would drive me forwards and, and make me a better person. Oh, I love that. So, okay, this is like just logistics. How long did it take you to do that walk? 
it took seven and a half weeks. So I started on the 31st of August and I finished on the 23rd of October. I can't remember the exact dates, but it was around then. Yeah, no, that's great. Like, and that's more than 10 miles a day. It averages about 12 or 13 miles a day. And it's very hilly. So it doesn't sound like if if you're used to walking on flat terrain, it doesn't sound like far. But um, yes, it's it's quite hard, quite hard walking in places. Yeah, if you're not if you're not used to the difference between going for a walk and going for a walk on hills, like sometimes I'll say, "Oh, yeah, we just did three miles," and everybody's like, "Oh, that seems so long." I'm like, three miles in the hills is it's an hour. It takes you time, you know. It's it's work. It's effort. Yep. Um, okay, so let's see. First, just so you know, if you're listening right now to the podcast, we will link everything in the show notes. Absolutely. We're going to link to the book because everyone needs to get this book. It's a great book. And tell us about your next adventure. Well, in a few days time, I'm going to set off to walk Offer's Dyke. Offer was... I don't know it. I don't know No, probably most people in the States won't have heard of it. But Offer was a king of Mercia, which covered most of England back in the 900s and he built a dike so a ditch with a a ridge all the way along the border with Wales uh, with between England and Wales more or less so there's a path that runs from South Wales all the way up the country to North Wales it's going to take me about 16 days to to walk it and I'm going to be doing something that we call wild camping. I'm not sure that you guys call it wild camping, <laughs> but it's camping where there are no campsites. Okay. So okay. just So this is the, the kind of place the where of you just you don't have these preset little cutout campsites. You just go until you need to stop, you stop, you spend the night there and then you keep on going. That's right. So yeah. You're basically backpacking your way across. That's right, yes. Yeah. And we do we do pass through some towns and we might stay in a hotel occasionally, but to, a lot of it will be uh, just as you've described. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that sounds brilliant. And I would assume your weather's pretty good for that right now. Well, I think the forecast is looking very good. Okay. Wales is known for its rain. Right. It's a very green and beautiful country. And the way that it gets green and beautiful is by having lots of rainfall. <laughs> it's kind of like Houston. <laughs> it's really lush. <laughs> So um, I, I, the weather forecast is looking good, but I would be very surprised if I made it from from one end to the other without getting rained on quite significantly right. at one point or right. another. Yeah, I would think so too. <laughs> oh, okay. So I am just jumping around today, but I have one more question. Okay. And so what if what if somebody says, I don't even know how to decide what my bucket list is? Or, you know, maybe sometimes what happens is that there's that point in life where you're not really sure if you're going to be able to do your bucket list. How do you address that? I would say this, this is not something to get stressed or worried or concerned about in any way. Your bucket list is there to enrich your life, possibly to enrich other people's lives, but it's your priority list. So... If you've got so much on your bucket list that you don't know what to do with it all, there are some tips in my book about how you might want to prioritize things. 
if you feel like you haven't really got anything on your bucket list and you really must create one, it doesn't matter. Just think about something that you'd really like to do or think back to some conversations you've had with people over the years of, oh, yes, one day I'd like to, I don't know, see the Grand Canyon or watch the sunset over Golden Gate Bridge or whatever it might happen to be. And once you've thought of something that you want to do, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Again, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It could just yeah. be a small thing. That's it a could really be, good point. It could be walking up to... to um, the top of your nearest hill and having a picnic or sleeping there overnight. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be really difficult. Get yourself moving on it. Get something done and feel like you're progressing in the right direction. And, and I say that in my book, I talk about reflection quite a lot. I talk about giving yourself a pat on the back, you know, an actual physical pat on the back. As soon as you've done something, as soon as you've um, made some progress, you do little things to congratulate yourself. Oh, I heard you talking earlier on about gold stars. I love that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like gold stars is so goofy, but it works, right? And yeah. And yeah, it's okay. It's celebrating, right? There's this, there's this thing that I have noticed is the hardest thing in any of my groups is that it's the celebration of doing something. It's like we're taught to achieve and get going, achieve yeah. and get going. Like we don't have time to sit on our butts or sit on our laurels, I guess would be a more appropriate way to say that. We <laughs> got to, you know, do something and then start on the next thing versus do something and celebrate that we're doing it or that we're yeah. even thinking about doing it. You know, it doesn't have to be a big celebration. It can be something as little as a gold star or I like to have charts on my walls. I often use thermometers that I color in as I, as I <laughs> achieve something with the target and the target date. And, with, and it just gives you that sense of satisfaction that you're moving in the right direction. And it really helps to motivate you to, to carry on. Obviously, you need to do whatever works best for you. But right. that sort of gold star or coloring something in really works yeah. well for me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's something. That, okay, just help me here for a second. Back me up on this one. I am constantly trying to get people to track, right? Yeah. Track. And to me, when you track it, you are celebrating what you're doing. Like if you track that you went this far or you fill in like your um, thermometer on your PDFs for, and you guys will you guys will see what this is when you go and get the book. But you know, when you fill it in, then you can actually see that you're getting somewhere. Absolutely. And because if we just leave it in our heads, if we don't take time for the reflection, then it just stays in our head and we never really realize how the amazing things we're doing. Right? Yeah, that's right. And it can be small stages. So I ran a half marathon once just to prove that I could run a half marathon. And as I was working up to it, I did keep a track of, you know, how many miles had I run? Not necessarily that week, but what was the furthest mileage I'd done? And you can see it going up and you could easily track something like that on, on a thermometer, for example, the, yeah. the, the length of 
uh, your longest run per week or whatever it, it might be and you can see your you can see your improvement as you go along yeah so yes i find these things really useful i don't always do it as well as i should of course because i am a human being (laughs) i mean we never do everything as perfect as we should and we probably shouldn't (laughs) be worrying about it right like life is too there's too many adventures out there to to worry about you know nailing it but just like giving yourself that pat on the back and okay just out of curiosity for myself do you have other things on your bucket list that you've already scheduled and you know you're going to do? Or is this next walk, do you do it like this is it? And then you'll go back and go, okay, now I'm going to try this. How do you do that? I have, I have quite a big bucket list, as you might imagine. To be fair, at the moment, there's not a lot that's scheduled because it's so difficult to plan things at the moment. I heard a few years ago, I don't know whether you've ever heard of the organization Mercy Ships. Yeah, it's a hospital ship. Right. That, in fact, two hospital ships from this year that go to poorer countries where they can't afford surgeons and, and they operate on people. Right. And or they provide, they don't just do it without permission, obviously. Right. right. <laughs> people yeah. come to them for operations. <laughs> I'm on my bucket list. I want to be a doctor <laughs> and do some surgeries. <laughs> so as soon as I heard about this, one of my um, friends from an organization I'm part of came to talk to us about her time on Mercy Ships. And from that moment, I thought, I'd like to do that. I'd like to help them and be a part of that. And I was booked to serve with them this summer. So that was supposed to be my adventure for this year. And it got cancelled because they didn't sail this year. And I don't know what's happening next year. I am on the list to go with them next year at some point instead. So there are some things like that that I would like to do that might or might not come off for next year. I'm really interested in in pilgrimage at the moment as well. So in my book, I talk about some music that I I listened to. When I was doing that commute, I was on on a train, actually. I wasn't driving, I was on a train. And I'd put my sound cancelling headphones on and I would listen to this piece of music called Journey to Nidaros. And it was written by an English composer, sorry, I think he's Scottish, a British composer who walked St. Olaf's Way, which is a pilgrimage mm-hmm. that runs from Oslo up to Trondheim in Norway. And he did it to get away from music because he needed a break. But as he was walking, he kept finding pianos and just found that he was <laughs> composing on, on route. And I listened to this and this music just transports me to Norway. So I really want to walk the same path that he did when he was writing this piece of music. So that's joined my list. You see, things are always joining my bucket list. Sure, sure. And so that's going to be quite high up on my bucket list to do. So I've been thinking about maybe doing a pilgrimage or two in the next year or two. I'm I'm quite interested in, rather than just a long walk, there's something else about a pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. Something about reflection, like we were talking about. Right. And, And thinking about what's happening either in the world or in yourself, and it's a little bit more reflective, I think, than just going on a long walk. But I might be wrong. I'm going to give it a go and see what happens. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then you're going to write a book about it, right? And then I will probably write a book about yeah. it, yes. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> One would expect you to do that, please. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, we can't all do all of our bucket list. Prob- well, maybe we could, but I'm not sure. So we have to read some other people's bucket list. Indeed, and I I do just that as well. (laughs) Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Um, 
I could keep you here all day, but I know that you're very busy, and, and so I'm not going to I'm not going to monopolize you. But let me ask you this: Is there something else that you should um, or that you want to share with our group, just to encourage them, give them ideas of why they should do this, or just any words of wisdom? Words of wisdom. Well, something that I do want to just impart to everybody is that someday we're all going to run out of one day. (laughs) So now is the best time to do something. If you have got things on your bucket list, things that you want to do, then get out there and do them today. Start working on it. Generate a plan. Start training. You can start with small steps. But if you start today, then you'll have an opportunity to live an extraordinary life before that opportunity is no longer available to you. So I think that would have to be my big piece of advice for people. Yeah, So, so very true. Um, Yeah. Well, I have nothing else to add because that is the perfect wrap. Thank you so much for being here. And of course, um, your book, let me just ask you, you can get it on Amazon, but where else can people get it? Can they find it in bookstores? Um, Do they get it from your website? Tell us a little bit about how to get your book. Uh, you can get it from all of those places. So you can buy it on Amazon. It's called Live Your Bucket List. So you can just search on Amazon for it. And there's a Kindle version and a paperback version. You can go into your local bookstore and order it or call your local bookstore, however you normally do that. Uh, or indeed, you can go to my website, which has a link through to Amazon. Okay. But it also has available on it the templates document, which is what you were referring to earlier, <laughs> Kelly. So in, in my book, I, I have specific steps for you to follow to take you through this process. And I've produced a free PDF of templates that you can print out at home with things like the thermometer on the, the, that I use, just to make it a little bit easier for you. So if you go to my website, which is www.juliags.com, that's juliagolfsierra.com, then you'll be able to pick that up while you're there as well. Perfect. Thank you so very much for being here with us. I truly appreciate it. And thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our chat. Thank you. So I just got back from an amazing trip with my Fittest Freedom Experience alumni. We went over to the Smoky Mountains. We did some hiking. Well, we did a lot of hiking. We played in the rivers and we just generally like used everything the groups learned over the last several months in the Fittest Freedom Experience. And everyone did awesome. They were ready. They were prepped. They knew what to expect. They were in really, most of them said the best shape of their life. And it all came from working on consistency and working on cheering each other on, having that community, having that um, just the the accountability buddies. And when you're really ready to learn, to get consistent with your fitness, when you're ready to have a group that's got your back, when you're cheering each other on, when you're looking for mm, maybe like a deeper connection with me, I'm happy to be there for you. In fact, I'm there for you all every week. And it's just an, it's just a cool way to turn around what's hasn't been working for us the last couple of years. So if you're interested in joining us, I would love to love to have you. And um, if you've got questions, there's a way at fitisfreedom.com 
forward slash waitlist, and we'll send you some details. Okay. Once again, that is fitisfreedom.com forward slash waitlist. I hope to see you there. And maybe you can come up with us on our next adventure. 